Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. I'm very happy to be with three terrific, passionate physicians today, and we're going to talk about a couple of really great topics, culinary medicine, optimal health and wellness for medical students, and a fabulous new book that came out from our college that was created by Dr. Jacqueline Selgnick. So welcome all. Let's take a moment just to, you know, really think about the concept of culinary medicine. And I think as we do that, I'd like to just introduce each person. So would you like to introduce yourself, starting with Dr. Ballantyne? Sure. Uh, I'm Dr. Jerry Ballantyne. I'm the Vice President for Health Science and Medical Affairs at NYIT and the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine. Great. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Sigelnik. I'm a graduate from NYIT Com, uh, class of 2019, and currently a family medicine intern at Good Samaritan. And I'm Dr. Patricia Happel. I'm also an alumni of NYIT Com, class of 2008. I'm an associate professor in family medicine, and I am the uh, director of interprofessional education. Oh, this is great. So I want to, again, thank you all for joining us. This is going to be a really neat conversation because we're going to have different perspectives from you know, the, the medical student perspective, faculty perspective, and our dean perspective. So I think what I'd like to do is maybe start with you, Dr. Ballantyne. And what I'd like to know is, can you explain the idea of culinary medicine and your vision for promoting a culture of overall health and wellness for the medical students here at the College of Osteopathic Medicine? Sure. It, in the end, everything we do is about patient care. So that's the underlying concept. And, and those of you who, who know me or spend time at the school know that I always look at uh, physicians at three levels, competency, being a good physician, and being a great physician. And this really falls under being a great physician, right? Wellness and burnout for the medical students and the future physician and the physician. And part of that greatness and wellness and burnout then becomes what do we do to, one, balance our lives, and two, to introduce that subject to our medical students, right? So medical students are geared towards I need to learn everything, I need to pass USMLE, I need to pass Comlex, I need to make this, I do this, 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 this. But we need to introduce the concept there has to be a balance, mm -hmm. whether it's your family, whether it's a hobby, and certainly exercise is part of it, and healthy eating, healthy nutrition. And that's very difficult. And the only way I found to really translate this to a medical student is by having faculty and leadership do it. So it's very easy for me to stand there and say, everybody eat healthy. And then when they see me eating you know, a, a hamburger at a fast food place, that really doesn't <laughs> seem to make sense. So we need to sh model it. So yeah. one of the models we do every Tuesday morning, we do an exercise program where we walk or run with the students and afterwards we discuss subjects of interest to them. And that is led by faculty. Because the student who says, oh, I can't really take 20 minutes off to do this, I need to study, suddenly says, well, if the faculty are there, then it must be okay. And it's similar with this concept. Okay, that's, that's great. So it certainly sounds like it's, it's about balance. And um, 
Dr. Siegelnick, as a, a, a new graduate of our school, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how your experience was with, you know, trying to meet that balance. I, I know you started an Instagram account uh, because you really enjoyed cooking. And let, let us hear a little bit about the progression of that and how it ultimately led to working with our faculty member, Dr. Happel and Dr. Ballantyne, to create this terrific book. So for even before I started medical school, I always had anxiety. I think most medical students, we have that type A personality where, you know, we have to get things done. It has to be done a certain way. Um, and in college, I started cooking. I started baking to help relieve the anxiety and the stress. Mm -hmm. So um, when I got to medical school, though, there wasn't that much time, you know, like Dr. Valentine was saying, 20 minutes, that's okay, but to bake cookies for an hour and a half, that was a little bit hard. <laughs> so I started creating like quick, easy recipes that can feed you, feed your family. I have a husband, now I have a daughter. So I could still take that time, but not as much time, and then resulting in a healthy meal. Um, and then as time went on and board, started, board studying started to happen, time gets even you know, more valuable and you have less time to spend. So then I started to kind of come up with these correlations where I can relate my food to medicine. Right. And that's kind of how I came up with the concept of the Instagram page mm -hmm. and the cookbook. But then even you know, as time went on, even more so, the Instagram kind of you know, sprouted into something so much more where it's an outlet for myself, where I can give advice to right. students, where I can talk about the struggles of being a mother in medicine, where I could talk about the struggles of, you know, finding that balance and, mm -hmm. you know, let people know that it's not easy, but it's definitely something that can be done with a little bit of hard work. So let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, in regard to the time when you were here and you were starting the Instagram, how, how did the relationship work? I know you had a great relationship with Dr. Happel, and um, you are the advisor to the culinary group, or you work with them, correct? Yes, I'm the advisor for the Culinary Medicine Nutrition okay. Organization, but that wasn't even founded when I met uh, Dr. Sitgelnik. So maybe we could talk a little bit about how this, this great relationship started and ultimately led to you know, helping a lot of medical students and, and even people like myself. I'll be making one of those recipes next week. Yeah. <laughs> so to, you know, why, why don't we talk about that? So it really started um, with Dr. Andrea Watson. Okay. Um, she was my mentor. Mm -hmm. She actually interviewed me when I came to NICOM. And if you've met her, you know she is just the most fabulous person you, you could ever meet. Um, and we both struggled with our weight and trying to like find this balance of healthy eating and exercise. And we're both, you know, she was a very busy physician and faculty member and I was a new med student. So we would just bounce ideas off of each other. And then she's like, let me introduce you to my friend, Dr. Happel, because this is actually like her specialty. She is the go-to person for this. And we would have meetings of us three lunch dates where we would discuss ideas of how we can maintain this balance. What are some exercises we can do? What type of recipes we can make? And that's basically how this relationship started before, you know, this concept of culinary medicine even 
I mean, I'm sure it existed, but existed yeah. here at school. Well, it sounds like, you know, your, your relationship and that, that close relationship you had with your faculty members ultimately led to something that not only our school knows about, but thanks to Dr. Ballantyne, he, he sent this book to the uh, all osteopathic medical schools, correct? Deans of all uh, medical Deans. schools across which is, the country. Which is really terrific. So. I would like to just kind of find out a little bit more about how the book actually came about. Because I'm going to assume you guys are doing your meeting, you're having coming up with these great ideas. And how did it project to that? Well, I really think it was Dr. Valentine who, you know, heard about my Instagram page because the um, AOA wrote an article about it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, let's take it to the next level. I think that this can help all medical students, mm -hmm. uh, let's, like, what do you think about making a cookbook that we could give out? And that's really, it started with Dr. Valentine's idea for this, something that, you know, you can physically give to students to, like, a tool mm -hmm. to help them through medical school. I think that's, that's terrific. And in looking at the book, I have to comment, each one of you wrote something in the book, which I thought was very meaningful and from different perspectives. And Dr. Happel, I, I was speaking with you before about how inspired I was about your, you know, story in the back of that book. So maybe from, from a faculty member perspective, you know, working with a student and, and you're actually creating something together, tell me how that felt. Tell me about your experience. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Susan. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so my own personal journey of going through medical school and eating the wrong foods and not exercising, falling prey to the, oh, every moment is valuable so that I have to study. Um, I saw that my weight just kept creeping up and I come from a family of obesity and just poorly controlled lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, no one really exercised, everybody smoked, you know, and we all ate, you know, a lot of, you know, high fat, high salt meals. Right. Um, so a lot of times you think, okay, well, genetics, I'm just doomed to be obese. But I was like, no, I can break the chain. I know I have the, the, all the information now. I'm educated. I know how I should be eating. I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I got a trainer. He taught me how to work out the right way. And, you know, after about 18 months, I had lost 125 pounds. That is just fabulous. So just like eating right, you know, exercising, journaling, you know, not just what I'm eating or what I'm exercising, but like how I'm feeling, yeah. you know, so if you're like a stress eater, you know how to journal and you can kind of let those stressors out instead of eating right. those stressors. So, it, you know, in, in the College of Osteopathic Medicine here for us, what would you each say is the, the unique way that we go about creating that environment where our students can feel that, that they're working with people that are promoting um, health and wellness and also providing you know, opportunities, programs, ideas such as your book. What's different about NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine? We seem to be a leader in this, uh, you know, we're in front of this, this curve of you know, culinary medicine. And Dr. Ballantyne, maybe you could tell us how you would well, feel about I, I, that. I think it's, it's coming from all aspects. Uh, so it has to come obviously from leadership, you know, so I have to set an example. So when I first came here, if you remember, I started the running and the walking program, but I also have to set an example by encouraging it. So if somebody comes to me or if I hear about someone who's doing something really unique, I need to be there to say, hey, this sounds really interesting. Let's build on it. What can we do with it? And we need to get staff involved. So we have staff events, whether it's a walking event or shared lunch event. And we have academic events around it. 
interprofessional events. We have events for our uh, staff and faculty. What does exercise really mean for you? And we do it for students. And whenever I see a student with an idea, I try to encourage it. Right? The first answer should always be, hey, that's interesting. What could we do with it? How could we ultimately, to go back to the first concept, make this a better experience for the first patient that that student will see in four years and eight years and 10 years, whenever it is, mm -hmm. will be great for both of them. Mm -hmm. So if you keep that in mind, and we always go back to that first patient encounter, first time Jacqueline saw a patient as an intern, that encounter is what we prepared her for, right. not just to pass a test, not just to have a finished medical school. But um, so that, I think, if it comes from everyone, everyone and everybody understands, it's okay to spend an hour on something that is not about how do renal functions work or how does the liver work or anatomy, but it's okay to share an hour, whether it's over lunch, over a walk, thinking about something, then you get that culture going and then you can really make it happen without much effort. Well, I agree with that. And how would you feel, yeah. um, you know, from the medical student perspective, what did that feel like when the, the dean of our school came to you and said, hey, I like that idea. W tell me what that did in regard to, for your stress levels and maybe also your motivation in, you know, pursuing even further these ideas of optimal health and wellness. Right. So when uh, Dr. Valentine reached out to me, it definitely just confirmed how I already felt about the school, which is that it's a positive learning environment and that they really want to support you in everything you do, which is how I felt with Dr. Watson, how I feel with Dr. Happel, and what Dr. Ballantyne was saying, where like it leads to your first patient. I could tell you now as an intern that the things that I learned completely transcends into intern year um, compared to you know some of my other residents or people in other programs. I feel more confident in counseling patients about diet and exercise because, you know, I did this project and I did a um, one-month rotation with Dr. Happel. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely feel that, you know, it, it's a long-term investment yeah. that the school and Dr. Valentine realizes. And also as a medical student, you know, I get the struggle. You want to learn what's on your boards, nothing else. Mm -hmm. But then when you get to intern year and you know you're a big doctor now, yeah. you realize that life is not just in the textbook. Right. There are so many things that I've learned and you know, thank God that I had that mentality, mm -hmm. even though it was stressful to learn things outside of what's tested on your board, but you know, I still still learned them because now I realize that there's empathy and there's kindness and there's wellness and there's you know, healthy lifestyle, all those things which are, you know, not taught in a textbook, but NYTCOM did a good job, especially Dr. Valentine and Dr. Happel, of teaching me those things that I can now pass on to my patients. And I think if I can just jump in, one of the really fascinating things early on was when Jacqueline was talking about, look, I want recipes that are short, mm -hmm. that take 10 minutes, so other students can also cook them. So I think yeah. that goes back to the good physician, is, which is empathy. And right. empathy is not just about our first patients, it's also the empathy for our classmates, right? Yeah. That's when we learn it. So when I heard her say that, I said, wow, here's somebody who's already showing empathy at that level. How great is that? We got to encourage that. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I, and I have to tell you, I thank you for writing that book because just like Dr. Valentine was saying, 
there are so many levels that it, it's such a positive role uh, for medical students. The fact that you did it when you were in medical school shows that exactly what, what Dr. Ballantyne and Dr. Happel are trying to say. There is more to life than just your academics, and your passion for the cooking is certainly in there. And the fact that you made it available, this will help students for many, many years to come. And, and people that aren't students, myself. As I said, I saw the book. I, it's delicious looking, I have to say. I want to eat it right now. Thank you. But um, I, I do thank you for that and for sharing that. And so what, what would you like to say about the, the book as well? So the book, it, to even take it to the next level of being amazing, is we have clinical correlations. Yeah. So it's like as you're cooking those 10 minutes, you can kind of review some of your medical knowledge so that you, you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking and I'm reviewing my medical knowledge. So it just makes it all the more fun. Let's talk a little bit about the New York Institute of Technology's DeSaversky Mansion. Did you actually go to DeSaversky and, and cook these meals? Like, how did this happen? All the nice photos, all the nice... Uh, well, definitely to thank is Das because Das yeah. is amazing yeah. and he should be a professional food photographer. <laughs> he is so good. Um, but um, Dusaversky, the team of chefs there, mm -hmm. um, they were the ones that I gave them the recipes, mm -hmm. they tested it out because they're professionals. Right. You know, I don't have a degree in cooking or anything like that. It's just something that I like to do for fun. Um, but they, they, you know, they're professional, they know what they're doing, so kind of it was like, make sure that this makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then they also cooked it, plated it, and we had the Culinary Medicine Club come and taste everything also. So it was really, you know, this multi-level, um, multidisciplinary, and just everybody working as a team to create this fabulous book. How do you think that, you know, for future classes, you know, what would you, what advice would you give to students uh, if you were to come and talk about, you know, how, if somebody said to you, how, how do I get to my optimal health and wellness? Maybe it's not cooking, maybe it's something else. Tell, tell right. me what I you think. I think that, you know, it's, it's finding your passion. And this is kind of the advice that I give medical students when they reach out to me. It's like, find something that you love to do. You know, I love Zumba. I love cooking. Those are things that I like to do. It makes me happy. <laughs> you know, Dr. Happel likes to run. So she runs. Uh, she also meal preps. I also like to, you know, post on my Instagram because it, you know, I feel like I have advice to share. Right. So if you find something that you're passionate about and you start doing it in medical school, that will create habits that, you know, you can keep for the rest of your life, that you can share with your patients. And also, it's going to make the rest of your life easier because once you do things that you actually care about, then when you go on interviews and you have things to talk about, you don't have to make it up because you actually are passionate about it right. and you like to talk about it and it's things you care about. And, you know, they could tell. And when you're writing your personal statement, you have something to talk about because you're actually, you know, doing things that you like to do. And when you're doing things that you like to do, you're feeling happier and then you know I always talk about also like quality studying over quantity studying you know there are ways to get around medical school without spending 17 hours locked in right. a library and right. still succeed you know I passed all my exams mm -hmm. you know I did well on my boards I got my you know number one choice for residency and I still had a child created a cookbook you know, was a human being. Yeah, no, this, so. is, this, this is great stuff, and this is very motivating, especially for uh, first-year, you know, medical students that are coming in and they're making that transition. So you're certainly, in my opinion, a, an extraordinary role model for, for our students here at the College of Osteopathic Medicine. 
Um, Dr. Happel, I would like to ask you one other question. Um, in your story, you talked about how you you um, had a goal of changing your approach to food, and you talked a little bit about how you were journaling, and you know, just kind of tell me you were you were talking about how it empowered you, and so you were fu you were taking control of something, and I I'd like to just hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So because I didn't have control over what I was eating as growing up in my house, because I wasn't the cook, I wasn't the one, per, you know, going food shopping, you know, I was, you know, it was beyond my control. I had to eat what I what there was prepared, otherwise I didn't eat. So I learned that I was like, okay, I'm on my own now. You know, I have control over food shopping. So I learned, you know, how to shop the perimeter of the store because that's where all the healthier options are instead of going in and out of each aisle and saying, oh, this looks good. Mm -hmm. um, not shopping when I'm hungry. So if you go food shopping when you're hungry, it's usually a bad decision because yeah. there will be things in your cart that you look back on three days later. Why did I buy that? You know, so I took control of food shopping. And then I always loved to cook because my mom loved to cook. My grandmother loved to bake. I was a much better baker than a cook or a chef. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this is fun. What else can I do? I, I never used this ingredient before. So I kind of thought the scientist in me like as like a science experiment like how can I you know make this into something tasty but also healthy at the yeah. same time. Well that's great. In, in your teaching were you sharing any of this with your, your uh, class uh, students as you're going along? So yes, um, the wonderful thing about NYTCOM is I was able to have a nutrition course during the first year and now in the second year as well. So the first year I talk about all basically like if you're already healthy like these are the parameters that you should have how much saturated fat how much sugar what is a macronutrient what is a protein you know because a lot of medical students when they're coming in they don't have any of that background um, and then the second year I talk about more like how do we use food as medicine for like cardiovascular disease like these are your goals um, when it comes to certain foods and what to limit and what to have more of Dr. Valentine, in, with the concept of food as medicine, what, what would, if you were going to summarize that in your opinion, how, how somebody might um, benefit from just that topic, now outside of our school, inside the school, what would you tell somebody if they said, I don't know what that means, tell me what food, food as medicine means? Well, I, I would make it even broader. I, I think everything is medicine, right? So exercise is medicine, being with your family is medicine. These, uh, the first part of my career I spent in patient care and I quickly learned that all the medical school stuff, all the medications I knew, all the pathways I knew, all of that, yes, helped a lot. But I needed to know the other things. I needed to know that uh, what interactions might happen with this medication if somebody ate certain foods. Uh, I needed to know that uh, this patient would never, ever be able to lose weight in her environment there was no supermarket to buy vegetables. You went to the corner store and that's all you had because where you were living. Um, you could not ask someone, oh yeah, just why don't you go for a jog? For a jog where? Around the, the block here? No, it's not safe. Or I'm, I, don't, I have my kids to take care of. So incorporating all of that into everyday thinking and everyday education is, is the important part. But it's also not easy because obviously our number one priority besides the first patient that they, uh, Jacqueline will see is that make sure she passes the boards, make sure she matches in the residence she wants to. So 
our associate dean in charge of curriculum constantly has to balance that. How do we incorporate it, right? I can't just go, oh, you know what, we're going to stop learning about the heart because we really want to learn about nutrition. No, we need to include that in the discussion of the heart. Uh, so that's a constant balance and constant, I don't want to say struggle, but certainly a balance uh, to make sure that in the end the students get what they really need, which is great education, uh, ability to interact with their first patient really well, but also passing the boards, making it through medical school and matching. Well, I, I completely agree with that, and I, I want to thank all three of you for coming today. Um, in closing, does anybody have any closing um, ideas or tips that they might want to give, whether it's a medical student here or maybe somebody of the, the college community here, another faculty member, well, staff I, member? I, I think in general, all medical schools across the country have incredible talent coming in, right? So medical students, you know, we accept, we have about 7,000 applicants to fill a class of 260. So we have a choice and the people coming in are incredibly talented. And often we forget that talent and we think that we only have talent, we have to kind of impart it on them. I think it's important to look at those students tap into their talents, whether it's cooking, whether it's drawing, whether it's something else, and then use that to make all of us stronger. And the same with staff and faculty, obviously, but it's more obvious with faculty because they already come with these incredibly uh, complex CVs and all these talents that are so apparent to us. But we just can't forget that the students coming in are just as talented, just, you know, five, ten years behind of, uh, of our faculty members. Right. And what I would say is that from a student perspective is that don't forget those talents. You know, medical school can be all-consuming and you could feel, especially first semester, it's a, a rough transition. But don't forget who you are as a person, why you chose to be a doctor, that it's a privilege that you get to be here and, you know, make the best of your time here, which, you know, I feel like, especially at our school, you know, we have faculty and we have, you know, dean here that encourage us, us to, to take advantage of our time here. Yeah, and to echo both Dr. Ballantyne and Dr. Sigelnik, um, you know, if, as a student, if you have an idea, come to us. I mean, because we're, we're ready to learn from you and we will help you take it to the next level as long as we know this is something that you're passionate about and this is something that maybe help you kind of calm those nerves, kind of like what Dr. Sigelnik was talking about before, so it makes you a better physician in the end. Okay. Well, I, as, as an administrator of the school, would just like to thank each one of you for making the decision to become a physician because that, that says something really special about every one of you. You, you chose a life in service to others and you, you're going to make a, an enormous difference in this world, many positive things. And truly, I would like to say thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to come to work every day to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.